Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message will be both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, until further notice, we are not meeting physically in the church building and instead are live streaming our worship service on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We hope you will join us either on our website or on our Facebook page for worship. Now, here is this week's message. Well, good morning. I, I hope you enjoyed that time of worship as much as I did. You know, it's pretty amazing, other than the people in the, the worship team and those handling the, you know, the cameras and sound, I'm the only other person in here, so I feel like they put on this great time of worship and it's just me, and I'm like, well, how privileged am I? Look at how amazing, but yet they did that for you too, and I hope you were just encouraged by that praise, and, and I know some of these songs are new, and I, and I know some of them are different, but I hope you know we go through a lot of, well, I'd say arguing, but I, I, I don't want to pretend that we are, but a little arguing, but I'm telling you what we always land on is we read every word to every song to make sure it, it kind of fits with what we're talking about, but also will speak to your heart. And, and I hope even if they're new, you, you kind of look at the words and see how powerful they are because we have an amazing God. And I just hope you enjoy that time of worship. I mean, I, I really, really did. Well, I am glad to be here with you this morning. I'm glad you're watching with us as we continue our series on Overwhelmed. This is a three-week series, and today we're probably talking about the well, probably hardest topic we're going to talk about in, in, in this entire series. It's something that all of us will experience at some point in our lives, and it's probably one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult, emotion to work through today. We're talking about being overwhelmed with grief. See, grief is an intense, I mean, intense emotional suffering that is caused by loss. And you can experience grief from so many things. And remember, we never want to discount what someone else is going through. You can experience grief when you, when you lose something valuable. I mean, you can experience grief from a breakup. Y'all remember what it was like to, to break up with that high school boyfriend or girlfriend and how you really believed and really thought the world was over, that this was it, like there's never gonna be another. I mean, there's some pain there. You can experience grief from well, divorce or life transition, right? Moving from one area to another area, leaving behind all your friends and your family and your job and your community, then you're in a brand new area and you can, you can feel grief and, and have to work through that. You can feel it from like a natural disaster when those hurricanes come in or those floods happening and you're watching your house or your things, just you're just losing things. I mean, grief, grief is a powerful emotion. Perhaps the most intense, or I would say the most intense form of grief, of course, is when you lose a loved one to death. And so many people right now are losing their loved ones in the midst of everything else going on. It's just compiled. The emotions are just stacking on top of each other. I mean, because so many people, like the common experience everybody is feeling is like the loss of their freedom where they say, I can't even go outside anymore. I can't even go to the grocery store anymore. I can't even go to school anymore. I can't even go to work. We're all kind of feeling this, this loss of being able to do what we normally did. And many people are experiencing the loss of, of playing sports 
much, which remember, we never want to minimize what somebody else is feeling. For some, this is their last year of, of football or last year of baseball, and they're not able to play, and, and they're just grieving that loss. And some, they've lost their jobs or their businesses or their income. Others have lost their sense of security. I mean, we've heard from so many of you the loss of attending church and, and gathering together or, or meeting with your small group and face-to-face and with your friends and having the fellowship. I mean, many of you are grieving that, that loss, that, that connection that you once had. I mean, I, and I'm not trying to make things worse. I mean, this is just kind of what everybody's experiencing right now and perhaps overwhelmed isn't a strong enough word describe the intense, the intense amount of emotional suffering so many people are experiencing right now. And perhaps, perhaps you, or perhaps you know someone who feels like they're in the shadows, the valley of shadows right now. See, grief is anything but fun. And it's very painful and a process Every single one of us will have to go through in life. But yet grief is natural. J.A. Larson says, he said, grieving is to the emotional system following a loss what healing is to the physical system after surgery. Just as an operation traumatizes the body, a a loss jolts the emotional system, producing disruption and upheaval. While grieving is painful, it is to be viewed as a healthy response. For without it, a complete emotional recovery is not possible. You see, grieving is not only normal. Grieving is healthy. And while there are general stages that people go through, kind of in and out, grieving is very complex and people grieve very differently. The process is normal. The process is necessary, but each person experience is very unique. And that's why grieving is so challenging because it's normal and it's healthy, but yet it's painful and it's hard. And all of us will have to face actually going through it. Larson says, to get beyond grief, One must go through it, not around it, nor are there any painless shortcuts. And as you go through your journey, as you experience and express grief, as you try to reorient your life, as you try to find a new normal, because what was normal isn't there, you've experienced the loss, so you have to figure out this new way and this new reality, and that's challenging. And as as you go through that and as you grieve, I just want to share with you, I just want to remind you what you can expect from God while you grieve. You see, I can't, I can't answer the whys. I can't answer why it happened. I can't answer why it happened to them or why it happened to you. And I can't answer why it happened when it happened. I mean, more often than not, we, we look for those answers and we're not going to find them. And the truth of the reality is the wise probably wouldn't comfort us anyways. I can't answer the wise, but I can answer the what. 
That is what you can expect, what you can count on from God when you experience a loss. And I hope you already know these things. I hope they're just a reminder. But number one, I'm gonna have four of them for you today if you're taking notes. Number one, you can expect God to work for good in all things. Romans 8, 28 says this. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. You see, God works for the good in all things, and that's all things, not just bad things, but all things, God is working for the good of those who love him. If you are a child of God, you can count on whatever you're going through, whatever loss you're experiencing, whatever suffering, whatever traumatic event, that God can bring some good out of it. And I know your situation doesn't seem like it, and I surely know it doesn't feel like it, but we can count that God will bring good through it. Augustine wrote this, listen to this. He says, God is so good as to permit no evil to exist. Sam Brian, that's not true. I know he's not done. He says, except that God is so powerful as to be able to draw something good from any evil. And that's such an amazing quote because we would prefer evil not to exist. If you and I had it our way, there would be no evil, there'd be no pain, there'd be none of these things. But what's even more amazing, and instead of thinking about that, what's even more amazing is that we have a God that no matter what evil does, no matter what heartbreak happens, no matter what tragedy happens, we have a God that's able to pull good out of it. He's able to use that somehow for good. You see, the story of Joseph reminds us of this. A man who was his father's favorite. He had 11 brothers, and out of all of them, his father just loved Joseph the most. Well, as brothers do, they got jealous, and perhaps, well, I hope you didn't go as far as Joseph's brothers do anyways. His brothers end up selling him as a slave, which is actually merciful because they wanted to kill him. They sold him as a slave And when he became a slave, he ended up working and becoming the head of the house. When he became the the top slave for this rich man. Well, Joseph's a young, evidently handsome, attractive young man who started doing great things. And his master's wife took an interest in Joseph. Joseph kept trying to avoid her, kept, you know, said, no, I'm not interested, not interested. To one time she threw herself upon him. And Joseph bolted out of the house, says, I got to get out of here. He said, no, I'm not having that. Well, because he rejected her, she said, well, Joseph tried to force himself on me. So wouldn't you know, Joseph went from his brothers selling him into a slave, still continuing to work hard for this lady to accuse him of something he didn't do. So then Joseph gets thrown into prison. His situation just seems to get worse and worse. And while in prison, he ended up interpreting some dreams. One of the people were very comforted by his interpretation. And it turns out years later, Pharaoh needed someone to interpret his dreams. And this one man who'd been released said, hey, I know a guy who can do that for you and pointed to Joseph. You see, while it would have seemed, ev- I mean, while it would have seen that evil had won in the life of Joseph, While it would have seen that unfairness was winning in the life of Joseph, God was using all of those situations for his 
good and for his glory. As you know, and I hope you remember, Joseph ended up being promoted to the second in charge of the most powerful nation at the time. He ended up saving his family, saving the nation of Israel when a a famine struck. And later, when his brothers were just terrified, they remember what they'd done. Now they've encountered the second most powerful person in the world to them. They just knew that Joseph was going to get revenge. They came to him just in fear. And Joseph said this. He said, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, Joseph learned, and perhaps you will learn or have learned, that God can accomplish good in no matter what, or, excuse me, no matter what evil tries to do, no matter what loss we face. Joseph's life never went back to normal, but God had a better situation in store for Joseph. And I'm very confident that Joseph, looking back, would say, I would rather have not gone through that. I'd rather have not been torn away from my family. I'd rather not been rejected by my brothers. I'd rather not have been a slave. I'd rather not have been in prison. I'm sure he would have chosen just to have a simple life with his family. But God had different plans. You see, God didn't save Joseph from experiencing what he went through, but God ended up saving a nation through Joseph's experience. You see, you can expect God to work for your good in all things, including in somehow this pandemic. I don't know how, but I believe he will. So you can expect God to work for the good in all things, and you can expect God to finish the work he has started in you. And this is so important when you've experienced the loss. Because Philippians 1, 6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work will, in you will carry it on until completion, until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, when we grieve, it's because we've lost something. We've lost something so important and so valuable. And even though you have lost something, you haven't lost your purpose. God still has work for you to do. We can look back at the life of Joseph and see how God was preparing Joseph. I'm sure Joseph would have liked to just went through an MBA program rather than going through all that other events. I'm sure he would have just liked to take some leadership classes and went to a couple of conferences to get what he needed. But God was building character in him. God was teaching Joseph what he needed to rise to the position that he was taking him. And just know that just because you've experienced loss, just because you've experienced these, these emotions and this grief that God has not done with you yet. Just because one door is closed doesn't mean all doors are closed. It just means God has something different in store for you. Something new. See, if God has closed the door on one relationship, he has another for you. And perhaps it's the most important one, the one with him. Perhaps it's time you stop trying to turn your attention to that other boy or that other girl. Stop turning your attention to these other people to fill your needs. And perhaps it's during this time you can truly focus on the only true relationship that will never fail you. If your job is ended in one company, perhaps God is preparing you for the next. You might have to do some jobs in the meantime that you don't really like, that you don't think is really valuable. But he can use that for good. It's so important to remember that. 
I remember when I was in business, when I was in seminary and I was an undergrad and I was a general manager and I told God he didn't know what he was doing, that I should be a youth pastor. I said, God, I'm not supposed to be in business. I'm not supposed to be a manager. None of this leadership experience will ever help me in real life, God. I'm gonna be a pastor. I should be a youth pastor, Lord. Like I was telling him what I needed so I could be where he wanted me to be. So God, I know where I'm supposed to be. You've told me that. But yet, here's how, what it's supposed to look like. But so now I look back and I say, oh, Lord, thank you. I didn't like it. I didn't want to do it. It wasn't my idea. But he had me doing things for a reason. He wasn't done with me. None of those experiences were wasted. You see, and if this year doesn't, this year, the next year doesn't work out, have you expected? If your plans have been messed up, which I'm pretty sure all of us could agree our plans have been messed up this year. Just know that he isn't done with you. That if he started a good work in you, he will complete it. It just might look different. You know, if this athletic season doesn't work out the way you want, it doesn't work out the plan. It doesn't mean he's done with you. He just has something different for you. If this academic season doesn't work out the way you thought it would, just know he isn't done with you. He just has something different for you. You see, we put stock into so many of these things. We put stock into so many of our plans. We think we know what we need to do to get to where we need to be, but God can take us where he needs us to be, and it doesn't matter what we think about it. I mean, just think if God can take Joseph, the youngest of 11 brothers, who grew up in the middle of nowhere, who was a complete nobody, If he can take him and raise him up to be the second in charge of the most powerful nation the world has ever seen, God can surely get you to where you need to be. Just maybe a little different. He's not done with you yet. You can expect God to work for the good in all things, and you can expect God to complete the work he has started in you. And you can expect the spirit to intercede for you. And this is so important. When you're grieving, you just, sometimes you just don't know what to say. You don't know what to ask. And you just think, God, I need you, but I don't, I don't know what to say and I don't know what to do. But look at this. Romans 8, 26 says, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. You see, while Joseph's story is one that we're familiar with, and it's a story of triumph in the end, we've all lived long enough, or you will live long enough to know that everything Joseph went through couldn't have been without some sort of emotional distraught. Being thrown into prison innocently, being sold by your brothers and slaves, nobody goes through that without feeling some sort of pain, being held in a hostage. I mean, when we experience loss, we will become weak. We may be to the point that we're so overwhelmed and we're so distraught. We just think, God, I don't even know what I need. I don't even know what to say. God, I want to come to you. I want to be, I just, I just don't know. We can count that the spirit will step up on our behalf in our weakness to call upon the father, to guide us, to comfort us. In other words, when you don't know what to do, the spirit steps up and says, I got this. I got you which means you don't have to worry about trying to do some magical formula, some special thing for then God will care. Then God will show up. Then God will be with me. Remember that when we went through mountains and valleys, we learned about the life of Elijah. 
Do you remember the prophets of Baal? When they wanted to call upon their God, they thought they had to perform certain rituals. They thought they had to perform certain sacrifices. They thought they had to hurt themselves by cutting themselves and then their God would answer. Just know that you serve a God that you don't have to worry about a magical formula. You don't have to hurt yourself. You don't have to wonder. In your weakness, in your pain, the Spirit will show up for you. He will help you. He will clarify, which means you're never alone. You're never without help. And you can expect Jesus to meet you in your pain. We have a savior who understands our pain, who understands our suffering, who understands our grief. Isaiah 53 and 54 says this. It says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Surely he has bore our griefs and carry our sorrows. Jesus not only experienced our grief, he carried it for us which means grief will not crush you. Grief cannot do its worst. Jesus has already bore that. Jesus has already taken that. Grief can only go so far because Jesus was crushed by it. He has bore it. It only can do so much. You see, when Martha and Mary's brother died, Lazarus, right, the great friend of Jesus, Jesus came to be with them. Now, he didn't come on their timing, They didn't come when he wanted them to, but he came when he needed to. John 11, 33, 35, listen to this about Jesus. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid them, he asked. Laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. If you don't have a Bible verse memorized, if you think it's really hard, listen, John eleven thirty five 35 is for you. Jesus wept. And it's easy to gloss over that because we know that and we've heard the story, but listen, listen, listen. It's so easy, maybe not for you. Let me just tell you about me. It's so easy for me to think God would be apathetic to my issues. Why would he care what I'm going through? Why, why would he, why, why should I bother the God of the universe with my seemingly insignificant problems on the world's scale? I mean, this is, this, does he really care? Is he really interested? And we see about Jesus, he cares enough to not only go be with the people, he cares enough to feel their pain. In fact, he feels enough to express it, which means Jesus was emotional. He felt that. He not only bore it on the cross, he was in their midst. And when they were grieving, he was grieving with them. Jesus will be right there with you. And listen, when you're grieving, I want to assure you that Jesus will meet you in your pain even when you start expressing doubts, even when you're unsure, even when those crazy things are running through your mind. Because I don't know about you, but if I'm overwhelmed with emotions, I don't usually think clearly. And so I start questioning and I start asking why. And I said, well, does it even? And, and all this other stuff. And what I'm so amazed about that even in the midst of all of that, even in the midst of our doubt, Jesus is still right there. You see, the disciple Thomas, well, his nickname is Doubting Thomas, which I don't believe is very fair. I mean, he, he doubted one time and it stuck with him forever. That's what we call him. This is very unfair. We'll talk about that later. 
but doubting Thomas's nickname, but he was just honest. The disciples said, hey, after Jesus had died, the disciples said, hey, Thomas, we've seen Jesus rise from the grave. We've seen him alive. And he said what you'd say. Uh-huh, sure. I haven't seen it. Like, I'm not gonna believe it. Would you believe it? Come on now, would you believe it? Thomas said, I'm not gonna believe it. He said, all right, guys, I hear you. But I'm not gonna believe it till I touch. You give me all the proof. I need to touch his hand. I need to touch the wounds. I'm not gonna believe it until I touch Jesus. Well, nothing happened that day. Again, this is all on God's timing. Nothing happened that day, but the following week, Thomas was with the disciples worshiping again. He had his questions, he had his doubts, but he was still in the presence of his friend. He was still working through it. I mean, he had some some grain of faith. Even though he didn't know exactly what it was, it was still there in him. A week later, when they were gathered, Jesus showed up. And what's interesting, he doesn't go to Peter. He doesn't go to the faithful ones. He doesn't go to the ones who believe. He doesn't go to the ones that start high-fiving and shaking and say, hey, guys, it's great to see you. Jesus shows up and goes straight to the doubter. See, Jesus isn't afraid of your doubts. Jesus isn't afraid of your questions. In the midst of all those people, Jesus shows up to Thomas and says, here, Thomas, touch my wounds. Even Jesus on the cross had questions. Do you remember one of the the strangest things that we can do theological acrobats around and try to get around, but just quite frankly, Jesus on the cross in great agony cried out, why? Why have you forsaken me? He was in pain. Thomas was in grief. He was doubting. He lost his rabbi. He lost his friend. He lost his teacher. He was in pain. And when you're in the middle of it, when you're overwhelmed, I don't want you to think your faith has failed you. I don't want what you're going through to be your litmus test on what you actually believe. What I want you to know is that when you're dealing with that, when you're in the middle of it, Jesus will show up and say, I got you. Come on. Listen to what he says. Matthew eleven twenty through 30. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, your grief, your grief will not last forever, but there will be times that you don't think you can make it through and you can't go another day. Just know that God is and will work for the good no matter what your situation is. He isn't done with you yet. And he'll be there right with you and the spirit will intercede to comfort and guide you. We have a God who will never leave us, who will another in the fire as the song says. Now, For just a minute, I want to specifically talk to those of you who've lost a loved one during this time. I can't imagine what you're experiencing. Trying to navigate sickness and health is so difficult right now. I mean, many of you couldn't even be there with your loved one when they passed. I mean, the pain. The pain has to be almost unbearable. But I remind you, I want to remind you that we have hope. The Apostle Paul says this, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 14. He says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, 
so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. We're gonna pause there because notice, Paul doesn't say you don't grieve or we shouldn't grieve. Remember, grieving is normal. Grieving is healthy. However, there should be something different about our grief because we have hope. We know that for a believer, death is not the end. We know that death is just the doorway into eternal life with our Father. Death is just the start of our, of our forever life. Paul says, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So we believe that God will bring Jesus with those who have fallen asleep in him. Listen, the resurrection isn't just an add-on to our faith. It is the linchpin. It is the thing that changed everything. Jesus died on the cross. He bore our sins. He bore that, that punishment and that grief, but he, was ro- he rose from the grave. So we can have a new life to usher in this new life. You see, the loss of our loved one is the greatest form of grief we will ever experience. But may it remind you and may it remind us that the gospel truly is important. That the message that Jesus has come to save and deliver and give eternal life really is something that we need to get serious about. Because death reminds us that there is something wrong in this world. That things should be different. Death feels so wrong because it is. Death was never part of God's plan for our lives. Sin has wrecked havoc in this world. We see it all the time. And those intense emotions that you're feeling, that, that loss and that pain, may it remind you, may it remind me of the great good news of Jesus Christ. That all the world, although the world is sinful, although evil happened, although it seems like just who knows what's going on right now, that we have hope that there's something better That we know that our loved ones who've passed away are now in a place that has no more tears, no more pain, no more pandemic, no more sadness, no more darkness, but are in a place with our Lord in glory. You see, thankfully, Jesus bore our sins. He took our sorrow and grief and our punishment. That we can be forgiven that full weight of sin, that that full thing. Jesus took that for us so we can be with him for eternity. Through the resurrection, we believe and know that we'll see our loved ones again. So cling to the gospel. The gospel is our hope. The gospel is the message. The gospel is the thing that reminds us that death doesn't have victory. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ claimed victory over death death. See, the gospel promises us a better future, perhaps not on this earth, but a better future with him and with our loved ones who know him. So in the midst of your grieving, in the midst of experiencing that deep, deep pain, just remember it's normal. And remember everybody's experience is unique and it's healthy. Don't try to bypass it. Don't try to ignore it. Don't try to hold it in. But go through it. The way to handle it is to go through it. It's the quickest way. 
Reminds me of basic training. Our drill sergeants told us. They said the quickest way out of basic training is to go through it. People didn't believe them, but it was very true. Some people decided that, you know, by the way, nobody likes basic training. But by the way, when you're in it, some people decide, well, if I just do a lot of bad stuff, maybe they'll kick me out. Nope. They hold you there for months longer. So well, I just won't pass my physical fitness test. Maybe that'll help me. Nope. They hold you and make you start over until you pass it. Sickness. Nope. They make you get better and then start back over. Once you're in it, once you're dealing with it, the quickest way through and the drill surgeons were not lying was just to go through the process and come out the other side. And it's the same with grief. The quickest way is to go through it. So allow yourself to grieve. Allow yourself to process the feelings. Allow yourself to cry. Allow yourself to get raw and honest and vulnerable. Allow yourself to get angry. If you're unfamiliar with how to do that, read the book of Psalms. I mean, you will see David and others do it quite well. But your grieving is normal, but you shouldn't stay there. And I just want to remind you, while the process is normal, if you're stuck, I do ask you to, to get some help to work through it. Or if you are grieving and need some help, I ask you to get some help to work through it. I can tell you as a pastoral staff, we would love to help you. And, and we promise you that if you're dealing with something that's out of our pay grade, if you're dealing with something that's bigger than us, we will help you find a professional who can help you walk through it. And another thing I want to just let you know, if you do need help and you're unsure, just come to us. We will make sure you find it and we'll pay for it if you can't afford it. As a part of our church, we don't want finances to be the reason why you can't get help. So if you were going through something and you need help and, and you just don't know what to do, just reach out to us. I promise you, none of us here think we're super pastors. None of us think we can do everything. So if it's above what we think we can handle, we will find a professional to help you. So find a counselor maybe, or perhaps a pastor, or there's a program called Grief Share. I was talking to Pastor Gary about he plans to start one, hopefully, well, maybe, maybe early next year. But just know that if you're dealing with it, if you're working through it, that it's normal and it's healthy. But we have a God who loves you and will be there with you. But let us know if you need help. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we wish we understood your thoughts and your plans. But sometimes we admit that we just don't get it. We don't understand why you would take someone we love from us. We don't understand why we had to lose that thing or that relationship or that job. Or we don't understand why you'd allow this pandemic to happen. Yet, Lord, we trust you. We confess our lack of knowledge. We confess that we do want control and we do want understanding. We do want our plans. But, Lord, we trust you. So, Lord, as we are walking through these emotions, these painful emotions, we just thank you for loving us. We thank you that we can count on you. We thank you that we can trust you. And we thank you that you'll never leave us or forsake us. And we know our shoulders aren't big enough, but yours are. So as we cast upon our cares upon you, just comfort us and guide us, Lord. And we pray for those who have lost someone. 
Lord, we pray that they will find the peace that only you can bring. We pray that you would send your spirit to an seed for them, to speak to them, to remind them of the hope of the gospel, to remind them that their loved one is in a place of glory. Oh, Father, we bring our pain and our sorrow to you this morning. We just ask you to help. In the name of Jesus, we pray.